Today on the show, we learn about personal grooming and personal space issues. Don't touch my stuff. Welcome to The Lost Cantina, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and themes behind our favorite galaxy far, far away. As always, I'm Jaden. And hello, I'm Kevin. And today we are talking about Ahsoka Episode 2. I really enjoyed this episode, like, a lot. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, this one's a little bit more, like, conversation-heavy. Yes. And, like, lore-heavy. The thing that the Disney Plus shows have been doing recently is that they've been releasing you know, two or even three episodes to start, which those in themselves are like a mini movie to set up the rest of the show. And I really appreciate that because yep. we're getting like a nice little just just mini movie to launch the plot forward. And I think this was definitely like a nice bookend. So as always, if you haven't seen episode one or episode two, please go back and watch those and then we'll be able to discuss that. But before we actually get into the discussion, we've got to do a little bit of housekeeping. We'd love to hear from our listeners, so please email us at thelostcantinapod at gmail.com with your thoughts and episode ideas. You might hear one in a future video. Ooh. Special. <laughs> our teams are always streaming weekly on Twitch. I myself stream weekly on Twitch. Uh, Jaden once in a while has streamed on Twitch. Uh, but you could find us streaming mostly. The team is streaming on twitch.tv slash lore underscore party. And, of course, you can connect with us on Instagram and uh, X. <laughs> I can't. It's so the script stupid. still says Twitter. We need to change that. It's not that anymore. Come follow us on the discount porn site known as x.com at the Lost Cantina. Once again, if you haven't seen episode one or episode two of Disney Plus's Ahsoka, Please go watch that now before we get into our discussion. All right. You have been warned. So let's get started. We last left off with Sabine getting fucking stabbed. <laughs> Yo. And not dying because if, if you get medical attention quickly enough, you will be fine. So stop commenting, peoples on the internet being like, well, Qui-Gon, he, he died. It's like, yeah, because he was in a fucking, he was in the equivalent of the engine room. <laughs> On the planet when he died. The fact that she was able, like, Ahsoka was able to get there so quickly also means that they were probably able to get her back to, like, the medical area yeah. very quickly as well. Yeah. She actually wakes up in her hospital room, and Ahsoka is standing over top of her. She's communing with Sabine through the Force. Sabine is having a negative emotional dream similar to the one that she had in the last episode but now with memories from the last couple of days. Ahsoka wakes her up, and Sabine tells her, hey, I unlocked the map, and it showed two galaxies. For those of you who know, another galaxy in the Star Wars universe probably triggers you and makes you, like, absolutely lose your mind. 
just basically, if you don't know about, uh, there's, there's a group of creatures called the Yuzon Vong. And if those Ooh, are out yeah. there, holy shit, Dave Filoni, you, you madman. If they bring the Vong, God, that would be awesome. At this point, I just think they're just going to let him do whatever the hell he wants. I think so. Now, unfortunately, Sabine wasn't able to decipher the map. She unlocked it, but she wasn't able to decipher yes. it. And her records were also destroyed. Those droids that went into her room shot up her stuff. Basically, they just shot up all of her records of what she was able to uncover. Yeah. But Ahsoka realizes that one of the droids wasn't found because she said, how many droids attacked you? I, she said two, but she only got one that yep. escaped. So she's like, where's the other droid? Sabine says that she's going to help her. And Ahsoka's like, nah, 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 nah. You've done enough. That's what she goes. You've done enough. You've done and enough. she says it with like that. Yeah, she says it with that like inflection of like kind of mean. Thanks for fucking up, also, idiot. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 not the nicest answer. So we cut back to uh, Skull and Haiti arriving at a mini Stonehenge on the planet Cetos, which and I love this because uh, someone I was like, why does this orb look familiar? They 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 have the orb. Uh, sitting in the center of this thing, and I was like, "Why does the orb look familiar?" It's the orb from Treasure Planet. Like it literally just I looks like the orb <laughs> from Treasure Freaking Planet. And I was like, "I remember telling you, being like, wait a minute, hold on a second. And like, I think I sent you like a meme yeah. or something of it." So, so all those people bitching for a live action uh, Treasure Planet movie. There you go. It's called Ahsoka Episode Two. Hey, it's not bitching. <laughs> it's my favorite Disney movie. Leave me alone. I love it. Hey, it's okay to be wrong. What? <laughs> and what's your favorite Disney movie? So it's so, it's Star a, Wars Episode Seven. <laughs> <laughs> what's the movie you like again? Treasure Planet. It's fucking awesome. That's that's a weird way to say Atlantis. Anyways, oh okay. All right, all right, I'll give it to you. 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 Okay. All right. Fine. He tells Haiti to contact Elsbeth, and uh, so Haiti goes and she calls Morgan Elsbeth. So Morgan's gonna arrive on the planet to see what they have, what they've d- uncovered. There's a really cool thing about the stone pillars. They're all black and they have this like gold lines and like circles, kind of like a map itself. It lo- it everything looks like it's definitely supposed to be there. It's pretty yep. cool. So back on the comms tower, Ahsoka is reliving the night. She's going through from the ground all the way up to the elevator, everything. She's reliving that night through the forest, kind of communing to like what happened there to try to get a better understanding herself of what happened because she wasn't there the whole time. So she's going through Sabine's room and Sabine's cat is standing outside of the room. So she the, the cat won't go in the room. Ahsoka looks at this and is like, okay, something's weird. So she walks in the room, and she's just kind of staring around, looking at what got destroyed. And as she's investigating, she finds that little message from Ezra. And she taps it, and she sees Ezra pop up. And we see in the background, creepy as hell, these legs just slowly descending yeah. from the ceiling. And it's the droid. And of course, the cat hisses, you know, saves the day. And Ahsoka is like, and just takes it out right away with ease. Like, no problem. Yep. But very importantly, she cuts its head off, but she doesn't destroy the head. There you go. She brings the droid's head back to Sabine, who explains that she can actually look into the memories of the droid because its memory circuits are still attached. She's going to have to push some current through the droid's backup systems to activate the memory core. But this could lead to a tiny case of explosions. Kind of like when you cram for a midterm. Yes. And Hera is there. She's just hanging out as uh, 
hologram and everybody's debating on like, well, should we do this in Hera? <laughs> She's like, I say we go for it. <laughs> Which again is such a rebels thing. Her just being like, yeah, I say go for it. It's like, you're not here. Asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Huang is just like, because you're a hologram. <laughs> The the so the, the there's this great little tense sequence where like the, the the power starts building up while Sabine's trying to search, trying to search, trying to search, and then she powers it up and she's you know trying to find the information while the thing starts powering up, powering up, powering up, and uh, <laughs> David Tennant just pulls the plug right before the bomb goes off, and Sabine like stops, she looks and she goes, "I have it, I know where the droid came from, the head came from Corellia." Which is a New Republic like shipyard world kind of now. Uh, world. It was Imperial. That's a very big distinction we should make. It was Imperial right yes. up until the New Republic took over. Yes. And this planet, which it just so happens, was where Morgan Elsbeth had factories. Yes. So she owned a bunch of factories there. Harris says the Imperial operation should have been disbanded, but. Turns out nobody ever checked. So nobody, this is this galactic government here, brand new. They ain't, they're not just, they're just, just, they don't know what the fuck's going on. It's, it's a side, it's side note to explain incompetence in the sequel trilogy. I, the, completely dismantling your military 10 seconds after winning a galactic war, maybe not the best idea. You lose the infrastructure, like, make sure the people you took down are actually gone. Yeah. But what do I know? I'm just, an average person who thinks about how you just killed an evil empire and how they're still fucking evil. Yeah, it's it's not great. It's just, it makes me almost not have a lot of sympathy because, like, after watching everything that's been going on with, like, during Mando yeah. and then, like, this, I'm like, what the hell are these people doing? Like, I get, like, the rev... And then, like, going from, like, Andor and all that, like, everything was just so, I don't want to say organized, but, like, there was structure yeah. in the Old Republic and now... Not the old, old Republic, the old Republic. Yeah. The prequel Republic. And then, obviously, the Imperials had this, like, fascist structure. Yeah. But now, because watching how Andor's, you know, Luthen's setting up the whole rebel stuff. It, it just feels disingenuous. It, it feels... It makes sense, though. It makes sense that they would be, like, all over the place because they were all over the place as a rebellion, too. And it's just, like, the same thing. They're back to being, like, Luthen, what's going on? I know, but, like... Hey, let's make sure the guys who make weapons aren't making them for bad guys. It's just it seems like a yeah, very simple yeah, thing that they yeah. should have done, but correct. But we need we need the sequels to make sense. They you know, love it or hate it, Dave Filoni is very good at bridging between yeah. mainline movies and I think this yeah. is one of his attempts to like duct tape over the cracks. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. So Ahsoka leaves and tells Sabine that she can't come. Obviously. Yep. She needs to recover. Yeah, that's the excuse. We'll go with that. Which, obviously, you know, that's not the answer Sabine wants. And Hera tells her through hologram that she did a good job. Because she did. She got the map. She was able to unlock it. We found out then where this droid came from. So we know where the bad guys came from. We know what's going on. To a degree. We got info. Sabine's upset since they haven't seen each other in years. Uh, her and Ahsoka. And the first thing she says she can do for her she does it wrong yeah so she's obviously putting a lot on herself and us as the audience were like you did a lot don't worry about it and same with her she's like no 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 it's okay you, you didn't fuck up you're you're you you're did right. good kid 
So now we're going to jump into a very heavy lore scene. Uh, we're jumping back to Skull and Haiti. Uh, Morgan Elsbeth shows up to activate the map. Skull says, this place is old. It was not built by the Jedi. And Elsbeth explains that this place was built by an ancient people from a distant galaxy. Red alarm Yay. should be going off in your head, for those of you who love the legends. <laughs> correct. <laughs> that, that seagull screaming in my ear is correct. She <laughs> activates the map using her night sister powers, which are... I've never been clear on this. It's like they're the force, but it's like evil force, but also like not dark side force. It's like it's like the force's bastard cousin. Yeah, they, it, 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 honestly, it looked like she just turned on a pilot light, yeah. like on a grill. Yeah, she like, underneath she cooked the it. orb, and it just green flame. Like she cooked the orb. Ah, look, the orb floats. The orb yeah. was an egg that unlocked the future of the empire. <laughs> We see the galaxy uh, that's being represented uh, by the physical orb as it produces a hologram. And Morgan explains that this is our galaxy. And then it does an entire hologram of multiple other galaxies that appear around them. And I'd love to see if someone could see if the Milky Way galaxy was mixed in there, because that'd be very interesting if it was. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Because it is a long, you know, it's a galaxy far, far away, but it'd be interesting if they have a map that shows it. I mean, every galaxy is far, far yeah. away. So, you know. And then one one particular galaxy shows up center stage on one of the pillars. And the map moves and produces the same lines that Sabine saw. And Elsbeth says, and that is our destination, where Grand Admiral Thrawn is banished. So, okay. We have confirmation that there are other civilizations outside of this galaxy. Yes. Now. Like, now we've fully have it because there was a civilization here from another galaxy that created this place that also now is kind of, we, we know now, now we're like, ah, oh, fuck. I was sitting there like watching this scene, like, holy shit. Yeah. That's a big deal because of things that we will talk about at the end of the episode. Skull calls it the pathway to Perdia. And he explains that it's, it's an old story that children in the Jedi temple would like talk about. Like it's like a folklore. It's like a little fun little thing. Kids would talk about Tantalor! Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was, I was just triggered there. Oh, Tantalor! <laughs> uh, and anyway, he uses the actual term fairy tales. Like, that's what it is to him. Yeah. And she says, when he says fairy tales, Elspeth says, yes, which are based on truths. So she's, like, basically saying, like, yeah, man, this story is actually fairly accurate. Now, Skull is clearly gifted in the Force. Oh, yeah. We see multiple times where he attunes with the Force and he trusts it. But he seems to say that the the path forward feels clouded. And then we hear some Night Sister whispers, and we hear a voice say, Morgan. Elsbeth takes this as a sign and says that Thrawn is calling out to her through time and space. You speak of dreams, vague and fractured hopes, Skull says. And then in the typical Night Sister fashion, she replies, the threads of fate do not lie. All this cryptic bullshit. Yeah, she man. believes like, that it is fate for Thrawn to return and rule the galaxy. And it's like willed by the universe, yes. the force itself. Like, this is it. This is what's supposed to happen. So she turns the map off and explains that her ship, the Eye of Scion, which is a cool fucking name, by the way. I thought that it, it's a cool name. Very cool. The Eye of Scion is on its way to the planet. She's going to go into orbit and she, she's going to start getting stuff ready. She wants them to prepare for the arrival of the ship. And we finally get the name 
of the figure that we saw in the final episode, that like black knight looking figure, the guy who looks like, you know, right out of Monty Python. Yep. The name is Merrick. Merrick. Marrock. Marrock. Do we, do we want to address the rumors cool... now? Yeah, go for it. Why not? Okay, so some people uh, noticed that at the end of the credits, it says additional voices by Sam Witwier. And so there are some out there who are theorizing that Merrick is actually Starkiller. I'd fuck with that. 100% I'd fuck with that. That'd be There's so cool. There's no way that that is Starkiller. But... I just want Starkiller. Comma, we all want Starkiller. It, well, it, here's like, if it was Starkiller and if it was canon Starkiller, Ahsoka is dead. Oh, yeah, no, she's dead. Like, he was just playing around later like, on. But, like, it would be so cool to, like... That's have... the problem, is that uh, is that Starkiller is so overpowered, literally no one can beat him besides, like, 40-year-old Luke, who's basically a god in Legends. Look, all the thing I'm going to say about Starkiller, the only thing I'm going to say about Starkiller is yeah. this. It makes sense for a video game. This is not a video game. Yep. Just fucking nerf him. I yeah. don't care. All I right. don't care. Right. I just want to see Sam Witwier. I just want the man to be in fucking Star That's Wars. That's fair. And, I but love him so much. To to the point to it being Sam Witwier is he does wield an Inquisitor lightsaber. If you look at the lightsaber later on when we talk yeah. about it, it is an Inquisitor blade. So I'm not saying no, but I'm saying prepare for it to just be Joe Schmo from accounting. <laughs> You're not saying no. You're saying we'll see, honey. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, that's cute, hon. I'm glad you're contributing to the to the theories on the message boards. <laughs> Skull assures Elsbeth that he's gonna find his task, and yep. Elsbeth says, "Okay, fine, I'm out." Yeah. As she's leaving, we get some really great insight into the relationship between this master and apprentice of Skull and Haiti. Uh, she says. Master, what happens when we find Thrawn? Now, mind you, also, she doesn't talk. Like, this is, like, the first time she's, like... Yeah, this is the first time she's spoken. spoken. Like, the last episode, she said, like, maybe one line, and it's like, you're a witch, and, like, that was it. So he answers her, and he says, for some war, for others, a new beginning. And she says, and for us? And he says, power such as you've never dreamed. So clearly, they are much more sithy than we thought when he says power and he obviously wants it i yep. would say they're a little bit more sithy than dark jedi mm -hmm. um the other thing is i find it interesting that she automatically knew that like when he said for others a new beginning she knew that he didn't give a shit about the new beginning part like she she knows he could care less about like the whole you know just empire bullshit I guess to play off of that, I think Skull clearly, you know, he survived Order 66 and he survived the entire reign of the Empire and then he survived the fall of the Empire. So he has seen what role a Force user plays in the Imperial government. He yeah. knows what, a, what someone who wields the dark side could do in the Empire. So basically, you know, he says, for some, a new beginning, for us, power. What he's talking about is specifically they could become the emperor invader of this new administration. If they play their cards if, right, they could clearly do it. Yeah, because Thrawn could clear the path to power, and, you know, in their minds, Thrawn would make them his his, his Vader and uh, Vader and Emperor. 
You know, like that would that would yeah. be what their roles are in the new order. Yeah. And because here's here's the thing. This is the thing about Thrawn. Thrawn does not desire power. Mm-hmm. Thrawn desires to do his fucking job. Yep. His job is to destroy the rebels. That was his gig. He was already a grand admiral in the fleet. He doesn't give a fuck about mm-hmm. climbing the ranks. He's already done it. That's this is a this. Uh, it, it, you know they always say make your job a hobby. Like do what you love and you'll never mm-hmm. work a day in your yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. Thrawn yeah, yeah, yeah. loves to prove how fucking smart he is, and the best way to do that is by fucking killing other people, <laughs> by using people to kill other people. Come on, man. Do a Rubik's Cube or something. Just do a Rubik's Cube. Nope. Nope. I'm going to make this guy murder this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manipulation. That's yes. his biggest hobby. He loves it. So at the end of that, we get Skull instructing Haiti to go to Corellia and assist Merrick. So he does not want this to fail. He he does. He's invested. As, yeah. yeah. So he's invested. Back on Corellia, uh, Ahsoka arrives and meets Hera at the shipyard. And they are, uh, they connect with, uh, in the script it says greeted, but no, they they, they meet Min, Min Weaver, who is very yeah. upset to see them. He is the regional supervisor yeah. of this facility. He tells them that when the Empire fell, all Imperial assets were dissolved and redistributed, including Morgan Elspeth's. Mm-hmm. And... You know, and he's brushing them off. He's like, ah, what are you guys making me do this for? Like, come on, I got I got deadlines, I got quotas, business, business, business numbers, numbers. And they're like, shut up, show us the facility. And he's like, no, far too busy. And then Hera pulls her general card out and says, you know, I could make this a more formal inspection, which would shut down production. And he's basically like, fine, come on in and check out our facility. Not going to find anything. The look at his face is like no never mind and by the way he's played by peter uh jacobson who has been in a lot of stuff yep he's one of those guys that like yes he's he's a great background character like you see him and you go oh it's that guy yeah i mean he was in house yep i don't know if anybody watched house that little show in that house. nobody saw yeah i i to be fair i never saw house so i I just know what. Him. Yeah. Oh my god. I I fucking love House. I'm scared of um, British men with American accents. Terrifying. Oh, so God, oh, so good. But yes, he's one of uh, the people from House's team. For those who want to know, he now goes through the supply facility with everybody. They're they're on this uh, hover car going through the whole thing, and he explains that she used to supply. Elspeth used to supply facilities. Uh, and just supplies themselves to create hyperdrive generators used in Imperial Star Class destroyer uh, ships, and that's like, like these the facility is fucking massive. Yes, it's a big ass place, and we see parts literally everywhere. I mean, you want to talk like remember when Cal Kestis? If those who play the game, Cal Kestis is running around in the first one. That's pretty much it. We're we're that's, seeing that this is. It. This is a lot like some of the other uh, in like the in the New Republic era that we've seen, where like these yeah. facilities are taking uh, ex Imperial star destroyers, tearing them down, and turning them into uh, things that the, the New Republic government can use. I want to say for the record, I think this is the stupidest part of the new canon. Why the fuck would you tear down a perfectly good ship when you could just still use it? I I can't explain this one. Okay, I just like, can't. Yeah, no, it's like it's like a, the ship still works. Why are you Why are you 
tearing it apart to make different ships out of it. It's like, no, three, that, yeah. a, a super, like literally the, the, the description of a Star Destroyer in canon is that one Star Destroyer can subjugate a planet. Yeah. All you have to do is change the wording there, protect a planet. If you're the New Republic marketing department, you paint the freaking thing red, put some New Republic logos on the side, and you go, hey, look what we've done. We've repurposed this weapon of war into a weapon of peace, much like we can do with these ex-Imperials. Everyone gets a second chance in the New Republic. Maybe you should run for office here in the New Republic. I make too much fucking sense they wouldn't hire me. <laughs> so he explains that they're taking these things apart now and using the cores for the defense fleet. So they're using parts of it for the defense fleet. Ahsoka asks about the employees because everybody starts staring at them. And she's like, she asks, are they Imperial staff? Like, are they former Imperial staffs? He says yes, because there is no way that they would have been able to, you know, remain operational. Yeah. You need the staff. You yep. put everybody in jail who worked on this, you wouldn't have your staff. That's what he, how he explains it. Yeah. And he says that you're going to find ex-imperials at every level of the Republic government. Which has some real-world parallels. I know I love to talk about real-world oh, parallels. Oh, yes, it does. Uh, for example, uh, for those of you who don't know, in uh, when Nazi Germany was defeated, the Allies came mm -hmm. in and said, we want Germans to run Germany. And the Germans said, great. Yeah. And they said... Are there any, is there anyone here who's competent who didn't work for the Nazis? And nobody raised their hands. And no one raised their hands because uh, I think they I think if I remember the statistic right, the 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 new government that formed after the Nazi government was toppled was composed of like seventy two percent of former Nazi officials yeah. because there just was no one left because they were all either dead or yeah deported. Basically, much, anyone who yeah. wasn't a Nazi was either killed or removed. So they were like crap um we'll just have to denazify you and of course like you know the united states we had uh nasa which was ran by a bunch of ex-nazis yep. like that's the thing like you have all these war sucks man War yeah. does some shitty stuff and the aftermath of war can be equally fucking weird yeah absolutely agree so while they're having this conversation, they begin to notice like the workers are like turning and staring at them as they go by. Mm -hmm. Very reassuring, I'm sure. Walking into mm -hmm. the lion's den of a facility that you're 90% sure is evil. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the when they asked when they asked about the workers' loyalty, the you know, the manager he just says, not at all. The average worker doesn't care about the nuances of galactic politics. Which shows just how much their corporate superior, like he doesn't believe in them at all. Of course, I, I also think it might be a smokescreen for what comes later. Uh, he yes. says, they have loyalty so long as they're paid. And Hera says, and you? And he says, I'm a businessman, General. My loyalty is to my investors. Mm -hmm. This scene uh, it encompasses the greed that also yeah. exists in, you know, in every universe. You know, These guys just want to get paid. They got to feed their families. It's a hard time. Currency keeps yep. changing. That was actually one of the things I loved in Mando when they were like, when he was like, oh, I could pay you in Imperial credits. That's no good here. What about Republic credits? That's ah, worthless. How about Calamari Flan? Like, I loved that shit. That was yeah. great. Yeah. Hera tells Ahsoka that she thinks that it was a good idea to bring Sabine in. So now they're just like talking, the two of them. And Ahsoka doesn't think that, she, you know, Sabine, she did a good job. She's like, no, she didn't really, you know, look at where we're at right now. And Hera's like, yeah, exactly. She says she did everything you asked. Like, she, yep. she literally, and look at where we are now. Like, we're on a trail. We're figuring something out. She opened the map, you know, 
so what if it's lost? She found out where the droid came from. Yep. And now we're here. Like, it's a whole... Hera shows that she can see the pathways of, like, the positivity in their situation and, like, where it's taking them. While Ahsoka is clearly kind of, like, disgruntled by it. And I think that's just a Skywalker, uh, you know, family lineage thing. Well, and the other thing, too, is that, you know, Hera is... She is not Sabine's mother, but she was one of the people who raised her during the rebellion. So like Sabine in, in Sabine, Hera sees the potential that she has. Otherwise she would never have joined the ghost crew in the first place. Yeah. And I, and Ahsoka, I would always, I always considered her like an honorary member of the ghost crew. She was never an official member in my mind because she just kind of showed up in certain episodes. I mean, she was in there a significant amount, but not enough to be considered like, She's not on the Rex level. Like, I would consider Rex a member of the Ghost crew. Got it. Makes sense. And she also, we we haven't seen the training, but she has the benefit of, like, trying to train Sabine in the Force. Which, a lot of people, too, were talking about that, where they were like, oh, you know, since when is Hera Force-sensitive? Or, uh, Sabine, when is, since when is Sabine Force-sensitive? There actually is a Rebels episode where, um, where Kanan talks about he feels yeah. the Force in her. It's just yeah. really, really weak because she's mentally blocking it because of her Mandalorian upbringing. Which is a cool detail, I think. That's a cool detail. A Mandalorian Jedi would, you know, we've been fighting for a Mandalorian Jedi for a long time now, we in the fandom. Well, that makes you think about Grogu, though. Yeah. Is Grogu just going to forget everything and just, like, block it out because he's going to have, you know, a Mandalorian upbringing? Like, how, you know what I mean? It's a fun fun thing to think about. We'll we'll get to see him in more stuff, I, I assume. So now Hera looks at Ahsoka and says that she thinks she should take Sabine back as her apprentice. And clearly Ahsoka's like, what? Yep. <laughs> like, nah. And even Ahsoka says she's like, both of us are kind of past that at this point in our lives. And Hera argues that they're good for each other. Yes. And they provide structure to each other's lives, you know, and, and like this is it, it, it'll benefit both of them. And Ahsoka argues that she isn't ready and not necessarily just uh, Sabine, but also Ahsoka. And she even says, she's like, you know, she's not ready. And Hera's like, well, wh- when, how do you know? Yeah. She's like, you just do. It's like a feeling. And then she even says, she goes, she'll know when she's ready. Yes. Which I and love. That's, I love that's that. a, you know, it, it, it's up to her choice to be ready. Like she needs to be ready. I can't just be like, I want you to join me. And you're like, Oh, Sabine is working sure. through her own issues. Yeah, she's got her own shit. Honestly, I think, again, like coming from Hera being like a de facto mother figure for Sabine, it's like Sabine, Mm -hmm. you know, she just sees the best in her child, whereas Ahsoka sees the real world blockings. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Sabine, we cut back to where her wounds have been healed. They've healed up very quickly. Modern medicine is great. You know, Mm -hmm. Lothal has has evolved from the backwater world it once was, and now it's a thriving metropolis. They have access to great medical health care. Shut up about the stabbing. Shut up about the stabbing, audience. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ahsoka's droid uh, calls the recovery repairs, which technically he's not wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. He goes over the lightsaber and actually uh, says, hey, you know, uh, this is your lightsaber. I, I wanted you to have it. And she goes, no, that's Ezra's lightsaber. And he says he may have constructed it, but he passed it on to her. And since then, she has made her own modifications. She's made it her own. Yeah. He's like, hey, you have not been keeping up with your training. And she's like, absolutely not. Clearly, she hasn't been like from what we saw in her in the episode, first episode. Like she's just been drifting. 
clearly the fact that she's in a hospital bed yeah. right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, well, even before the fight, you know, you can still lose to a superior opponent, but like she was yeah. doing no training at all. Yeah. And it's so funny because like this parallels what Ahsoka says, where Ahsoka's like, you know, it's up to her. Sabine thinks it's up to Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And she even says she quit on me. Yeah. Which, you know, kind of kind of true. We know that's true. And and uh, he, he tells her, you have to move forward. The past is the past. And speaking of moving forward, Sabine asks if they were, uh, if they could have opened the map. She's like, would you guys have been able to open the map without me? Um, would you have, like, if you were able to, like, would you come and join me? Like, would you have called me? Like, yeah, you guys, which is a great question. It's a great question. It's a question. fair call out. Because, like, in terms of moving forward, like, would they have just moved forward without her? Because Ahsoka has shown in the past she didn't, you know, she wasn't she wasn't trying to make a team. She wasn't trying to build the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he says it's just, that's irrelevant. He's like, that's an irrelevant question. And yep. she's like, no. Uh, without Hera, they would have, you know, not have even reached out. Um, it wasn't even, like, she wasn't even their first choice, maybe. We, ca- we tried calling Dr. Afra, but Disney's not ready to show her in live action yet. <laughs> but yeah, Ahsoka's never been thinking about her, you know, like that she she calls that out. He he says this. He says, to be fair, you never indicated that you wanted to come back. Yep. This line of reasoning holds some water on both sides, honestly. Um, because they both didn't indicate they're it. just not communicating. They're they're just not talking about yeah, wh- about yeah, what they want. But what Sabine is lacking is kind of viewing like the present rather than dwelling on the past like yeah. she's so like she she's thinking i failed uh, that's it whereas yeah, she's like you didn't call me this and that and he's like hey guess what we're here right now we've already been this has been days later like like yep you're here right now let's focus on now now we come back to ahsoka and Hera. uh they, they're in the main control center area of the hangar and they're told that all the deconstruction and then reconstruction can fund many things for the republic and Ahsoka asks, like, what? And he says that their investors uh, get to have first look at all the unique hardware. And as he says this, Hera sees a massive hyperdrive core that's actually from a super star destroyer that was decommissioned. Which, again, are you fucking kidding me? You tore down a super star destroyer? Well, we'll get there. We'll get there to the why, but continue. Mm. <laughs> Basically, Harris sees that and she's like, whoa, we're not building anything big enough to need a Super Star Destroyer hyperdrive. And they begin asking him about it. And the the the, <laughs> the manager's basically like, it's classified. And Harris, it's for the defense fleet. Yeah, he's like, it's for the defense fleet. It's classified. And Hera's like, it's not classified to me. I've declassified it. Show it to me right now. Show it to me right now. Show it to me now. It's declassified. I'm going to make a perfect phone call and you're going to declassify it. I thought about declassifying it. Therefore, it's declassified. That was our best job of the hut impersonations, by yeah, the way. Yeah, guys. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed those. I love the line, though. She's just like, I'm a general. Nothing's classified for me. Like, that's just badass. Like, yep. I just think that's cool that she's, like, asserting this, like, great authority she yeah. has. Which is very Hera. Oh, yeah. He calls over a C-1 droid, and Ahsoka asks about, like, the other kinds of droids that they have at the facility. So, yep. so she, he calls over the C-1, and he's just, like, going over stuff with it. And so as she says this, some of the workers in the room kind of begin to give her, like, the side eye. They, like, start yep. giving, like, the little stink eye, and, like, what is this lady asking questions for? 
And she gets the typical answer, obviously, from him. And uh, he's like, you know, load lifters and just rattles off a bunch of construction droids. And she asks about the, was it the H1s, right? H- or HKs, Hunter Killers. HKs, yeah. Which, the by the HKs. way, Old Republic, or, or KOTOR, Knights of the Old Republic, HKs, Assassin yep. Droids. Yep. And so she asks about the HKs, and he just looks at her, and he's like, now, granted, I can't tell if he knew or not, because he genuinely looked kind of shocked. He was just like, uh, assassin droids? Like, no. I'm... The way the way he looks in the end of the episode makes me think that he knew. But, like, I also think it yeah. would be... I think it'd be way more fun if he didn't, because I would love, like, the idea of, like, a Great. Hydra situation. But, like, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah, he knew, because yeah. he, was, he was being like, oh, it's classified, it's classified. Like, I think he knew. It'd be hard for him not to yeah. know. But I would have loved, like, a Hydra situation where it's like the Empire is growing within the New Republic like a cancer. That would yeah. be fun. Yeah, yeah. So he just says, like, no, we don't have assassins, droids. Like, what the heck? Are you, what's wrong with you? And the C-1 blurts out that it's seen that type of droid. Yep. Because it prevented it from cleaning an inventory task, like, five rotations ago. And he instantly – this is what made me go, what the hell? Because he turns and he goes, why didn't you put in a report? Oh, that is a good point. Because that's what got me was, like, he's just, like, shocked. He's like, what the fuck? He's like, why didn't you put, the, put in a report? And the, the C-1 says – that it was a high-level security clearance that the droid had. And it says that the droid, because then they were like, well, where's this droid now? And then it says, well, the droid is now on that ship that's carrying that hyperdrive that's about to leave. Which freaks her out, so she's like, hey, stop that ship. And the crew says no. And oh, it's then, already had clearance. Yeah, it's already had clearance, we can't. It's like, well, I'm, I'm unclearancing it, I'm a general, you need to stop that. And then all of a sudden, one of the crew members stands up and pulls a blaster and just screams, for the Empire. And, like, the entire bridge go. crew just starts jumping them. And it's it's so cool. Like I said, it that definitely felt like Hail Hydra. It definitely gave me oh, yeah, Captain totally. America 2 vibes. Definitely. Definitely. It's you know, sick. Ah- Ahsoka and Hera, they take them all out. And then Hera goes to the Phantom. And Ahsoka just jumps straight out the window. Like a badass. Yeah, it's awesome. Ahsoka's actually met by Merrick. Looking like the Black Knight from Monty Python. I told you. I, so I said it earlier. And yeah. I really mean it. He really looks like him. He's with one of the droids that they're looking for. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So it's 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 Ahsoka versus Merrick and HK Assassin droid, which she's clearly had no trouble with these guys so far. Yeah. She she takes out the droid pretty quickly. Uh, this is my favorite sequence in the episode, by the way, what we're about to talk about. Yeah, this is pretty badass. So Hera tells Chop, our favorite genocidal maniac. I missed him so much. I missed my favorite war criminal. Voiced by Dave Filoni. He is by voiced by Dave Filoni, which yes. I will say this: I they they made his his garbles a lot more uh, understandable in this versus Rebels. Rebels, it was gibberish. Definitely. This one, I'm like, oh, I actually I know what the hell he's saying. I know what that little yeah. freak yeah. is saying. Yeah, <laughs> she tells Chop to fire up the engines, and they begin following the transport. Yep. Marek takes off his cloak. And then everybody begins fighting, and it's this badass fight sequence. And he just, like, doesn't say a word. No. He has said nothing so far. The other theory that people have is that that's Ezra under there. Yeah, I thought of that, too. I don't love that one, to be honest, because, like, how the fuck would he have gotten back from the other Doesn't make any sense to me. Makes no sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So we get the back and forth between the fight sequence and the chase sequence, and Hera tells the transport, she's like, hey, stop. And then they just turn around and start firing at her. It's like, no, they don't say a word. They just start firing at her. The, sh- the-, the ship was really cool, too, carrying the transport. It looked really sick. It looked really cool. Um, 
it looked really creepy. It looked like a familiar ship from something else. I don't know what, but the backside of the ship looked really cool. Uh, and then in typical murderous fashion, you know, Chop just says to uh, shoot it down. <laughs> she's like, he's like, like shoot, the, shoot it down. He's, he's like, shoot it down. And she's like, no, I can't. It'll hit the city. And he, that motherfucker just goes, is that bad? Yeah, like, he just, he's like, uh, she's like, you're nuts, dude. Like, no, I'm not doing this. Like, he's, he's I crazy. love the fact that, like, the entire fucking ghost crew knows that he's a murdering psychopath. But there, it's like, we don't have enough time to deal with this. Like, like we don't. It's too much to unpack to, like, fix this. So we're just not going to. And just aim this fucking missile of chaos away from us. Pretty much, yeah. And it's funny, too, because they start going to, like, find a tracking device. Because she's like, oh, we're going to put a tracker on it. And he's like, okay. And then he's like, did you go through my stuff? Yeah. Because he can't find it. And he's like, you went through my stuff. And she's like, no, I didn't. And he's just like, there's just a bunch of shit. It's just junk. Yeah. It's like broken stuff that like clearly is not going to go in anything. He just, and he, he just like starts throwing it, it around. And he just like starts chucking shit out of there. And he's like, you took my stuff. And she's like, bro, just check like under the battery or whatever. And he's like, oh. oh and then he is. finds it. He's like, oh, hey, there it is. And then she's like. <laughs> don't miss this time when you put the tracker on, please. He's like, oh, miss. And he just, like, starts going back and forth telling her to shut up, basically. It's really funny. I love him so much. It's great. We we forgot to mention, too, like, when he starts the ship, right, but then he goes to fucking sleep, and when he wakes up, he realizes that he's in a pursuit, and he gets mad and starts pounding on the ship with his little grippers. (laughs) It's so funny. So, basically, we end with, like, he gets the tracker on on the ship. Like they get really yep. close, and he gets the tracker on, and right before they about to like jump, like it's like they, boom, like right away. And Merrick and the fight with with Ahsoka ends. Uh, he throws his lightsaber out and oh, jumps God, on yeah. his ship. He's he's rescued by uh, Hati, Haiti, whatever Haiti. He's rescued by her, and. Uh, they end up escaping. But one thing that I thought was really cool was right before uh, they escape, he calls his lightsaber to come back to him. And Ahsoka does this like little side like movement and it comes from behind her. And it's it's exactly little. Yeah. It's this light little nudge where the lightsaber misses uh, her. And and he already knew, like you could tell he knew like it wasn't going to hit her, but that like little like turn where she just like dodges the lightsaber from behind her is exactly the same thing that Anakin Skywalker did on his fun little bridge ambush. Yes. Where he was going to get shot at and stuff. And he just does the same little, like say it's just like the parallels the, are so good. The, the, the casual confidence that Ahsoka has is portrayed in that little shot there. And I think it's, it's great. It's probably one of it's probably now in my top two favorite Ahsoka things that I've ever seen her do. Number one is still so badass. Um, descending in the Siege of Mandalore. That is still like yeah. Jesus Christ. That is the coolest star. That's one of the coolest Star Wars things I've ever seen. We cut back to Sabine, who got back to her home at the communications tower, and she starts to take out her Mandalorian armor, and she places it all out in front of her, and she picks up her helmet, and she sets it in front of. Uh, she sets it down on the floor. She kneels down on the floor. And we get this really cool pseudo samurai yeah. shot where she yeah. wraps her hair. She puts a knife down on the table. She picks up the knife and cuts, just cuts her hair off in one fluid motion, which is very similar to what Kanan Jarrus does in an episode of Rebels. So, the, 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 you know, the pseudo samurai isms are palpable yeah. in the yeah. Star Wars universe. 
I thought it was really cool because it was just very much like a respecting her heritage kind of situation. Yeah, like, she's going back to her roots. She's 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 going back to her roots, but she's like very much self aware of it. Like she she puts all the stuff out, like all the armor. She puts it out with like such respect. Yep. And like guidance of like her hand, like you could see her doing it like in a very like when you say samurai, like it really was like such a respectful motion. And she just sits there and looks at her helmet for a while. Like she's just sitting there and she's like, okay, this is what I'm going to. And it's a very calming moment. It's like all the problems she was going through in the last two episodes, all that stress, it just like washes away. Like yes. she's just like, okay, she, I'm coming to terms with stuff. She knows, she knows now that she's, she must continue the journey. She's decided that she's let, it's her letting go of the past and in, in embracing it's a it's a weird parallel. She she lets go of the past, but at the same time, she is embracing the parts of her past who make her who she is. She yeah. she put she put the warrior aside, put it in a box because she thought those days were over when she failed with Ahsoka, and now she's decided no, I have to go back. Now back with Ahsoka, the remaining workers are being arrested. We yep. see everybody getting arrested, and Hera can't fathom why these people are still loyal to the Empire. She's just like, what the, like, I don't understand how these people are so loyal. And Ahsoka says it's not loyalty, it's greed. And I found that to be an interesting viewpoint because at least one of them was definitely loyal, right? Like, he screamed yeah. out, like, you know, for the Empire. Like, he was definitely loyal. Yeah. But clearly, Elsbeth is, I would say, the top investor, right? Yeah. She's paying yeah. everyone. She's, She's the paying investor. Everyone. Yeah. So that clearly checks out as to why they'd be so, quote-unquote, loyal you know, they part, they part, it just makes kind of sense. Like they're more loyal to money, if that makes sense. But yeah. obviously some of them were still loyal to her. And so, well, I it's, think, it's I think, I think, uh, the, the, yeah, the guys who, the guys who like for the empire and tried to shoot, like, I think those guys were loyal to the empire. I think the yeah. workers on the ground were loyal to greed. I think the manager was Correct. loyal to greed. I think he was just following yeah, the money and he didn't care where it went. So the two of them part ways, and Ahsoka goes back to the ship, and she turns around because she got a call from Sabine, who now her her hair is short, she's got her Mandalorian armor on, and she looks pretty much the same way she looked in Rebels. Yes. And she just simply says, I'm ready. And that's when we know, like, oh shit, Ahsoka yep. was right. I'm ready. Like, she, she got it. So... This is, and then this was my second favorite part of the scene or of the episode. This scene. Sabine is uh, standing in front of the mural that she painted to commemorate the ghost crew, and she touches Ezra's face, and she and she knows she's going to find them. She's going to find him. Ahsoka lands, and uh, they find out the chop has found the transport. They board the ship, and we get a nice sequence of them sitting in the cockpit, and Ahsoka lets her initiate the hyperdrive and calls her Padawan. This scene is an exact replica of the finale of Rebels. Yes. And we have confirmation that this is the live action. This is not a, oh, she did it twice. No, this is a live action recreation of what happened in the last episode. Now there's a little bit of differences like in in the last episode of Rebels she puts her helmet on. Yeah. And and there's a voiceover being said of of what's going on in her head and yep. 
and obviously Ahsoka is wearing a completely different outfit, and, and like there's a little bit of subtlety differences, but but it that's is, that's it what that's what happens thing. when you trans translate to live action, you know? Like, yeah, the, like, these it, little it, things it, are gonna happen. Yeah, but like the thing. The finger, the finger placement was exactly perfect, which I, yeah, I saw yeah. like a lineup one to one. I was like, that's incredible. Now this confirms us our timeline, by the way. So yes. basically, Mandalorian takes place in between the quote unquote end of Rebels and the actual last scene of Rebels. Yes. So there's 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 a little bit of a time gap. There's a there's a there's between... a, a epilogue that that uh, yeah, Sabine yeah. delivers. Yeah, so that 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 means that Mandalorian happened all after the end of Rebels. Yes. And then we get the last scene of Rebels right now. So even even this episode, this last two episodes of Ahsoka take place right then and there. Now the final scene in my opinion, I think it may be one of the most exciting. Uh just because I think it's so cool. Yep. We see the hyperdrive being installed into this massive circular ring. This is the the eye, right? Like this is this is the ship. The eye of what they call the eye of Sion. Yes, the eye of Sion. And this ring, it kind of they zoom out and they show the whole thing. This is like the hyperdrive rings that the old Jedi ships had yes. in, in in the Republic, the the former Republic. This is now just like a hundred times scale larger and it's using these massive hyperdrives because they're going to go to another fucking galaxy. Yeah. Like they need it. So we go to the main bridge of the ship and it's sleek. It's stylish. It's got old, old Republic vibes. Like it's nice. It, as it fuck, definitely, right? yeah, it definitely felt like old Republic vibes, which makes me think that maybe this is an ancient design that they've just repurposed. Yeah. Yep. So, so That's in, in Legends canon, there is only uh, one other time that uh, the new that the old Republic ever actually attempted to leave the Star Wars galaxy, and it was called the Outbound Flight Project. Mm-hmm. And there are some similarities between that and this because they did have a ring. Uh, there was a ring design in the Outbound Flight uh, ship, but the ring was connected to, uh, I believe it was eight dreadnoughts with hyperdrives. So this ship is Dang. basically that, except that they didn't have the main, the middle housing part, and instead of the dreadnoughts, they just stripped the dreadnought parts away and attached straight-up hyperdrives to it. So this it's thing is not going to be good for combat, but this thing will get you where you need to go. And I actually have a theory that uh, the way it's designed might actually be either a ship is going to be in the center of it as it takes off, or maybe they're going to leave that empty for Thrawn's ship, the Chimera. Yeah, that's what I was I was thinking that too. Almost like a giant because that's what it looks like, right? It's a yeah. giant. It looks like a giant hyper hyperdrive ring. Yeah. So another thing that I thought was really cool in this one is the fact that she so she gets a com from Skull, right? Yeah. But the com is com, it's a weird looking hologram. It's a little bit greeny. Yeah. And blue, but it's it's very so. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause for a second here. All of the holograms so far in this show mm-hmm. have been way better than even the holograms we see in in mandalorian right like we've always seen these holograms look kind of shitty almost well you're 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 sending it across you know billions of miles of space yeah but you'd think it'd still be good to a degree they've gotten very good in these episodes like there's color in in the hologram and in this one it's like hd and like it looks really cool 
So that's just a tidbit. I thought it looked really sick. It looked very alien rather than like Republic slash imperialistic. Yeah, this could be really this cool. could be like an ancient design. Yeah. So she calls to Skull and says, "The appearance of Ahsoka Tano on Sorelia troubles you." Yes. And Haiti says, "Don't worry. They made a clear escape. Nothing's gonna happen. We're good. We're yep. good. She couldn't follow us. There's no way." He, uh, Balin Skull says, uh, through the force, he sees that her presence in the force is elusive, yet her determination is vivid. She is coming. And Elizabeth says, nothing that nothing can prevent their journey. And he responds, to kill her would be a shame. There are so few Jedi left. And Morgan says, sentimental. And he says, truth, as they break comms. Which, which again, leads me to go, I don't think that Balin Skull is... A Sith Lord. I do not believe that he is oh, a, yeah, no. trying to be a Sith Lord. I believe, I really and truly do believe, he is just trying to maintain power. And I think he really does think that, like, hey, maybe I can rebuild a, a Jedi Order under the Empire. Which would be kind of cool, if you think about it. Like, like people, you know, basically turning them into, like, a more... Uh, there is, in Legends, there was uh, a faction called Imperial Knights that were Force-sensitives who served the will of the Emperor uh, in the far future. And they were they were not Jedi, but they were trained in for, light Force techniques to protect their Emperor. And I think that's kind of a cool idea, actually, to have like, hey, these are people who use the Force, but they're not necessarily Darksiders. They're just kind of yeah. people who exist in the galaxy. Yeah. And that is the end of the episode. So that was a really long one. There's a lot of conversations. There's a lot of lore in there. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. All right. So overall thoughts. Um, Jaden, I'll let you go first on this one. Well, I've already touched on it a lot when we talked about the discussion, but I really do think that this is setting up, again, more of this universe that Dave Filoni is trying to build in this scenario that he's creating. I think... I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about my theory a little bit here with this. I think what's going on here is that Dave Filoni is trying to set up Thrawn as the big bad before the big bad of the sequel trilogies. I think he's trying to create a threat that very badly weakens the galaxy that will then allow the First Order to rise from the ashes. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. I think that Thrawn is going to, we're going to see him win. I think we're going to see Thrawn win a lot. And I think Thrawn is going to basically bring the New Republic to its knees right before he gets defeated spectacularly. And that just leaves the New Republic desperately trying to recover and not able to oppose the rise of the First Order. Do you think uh, he's going to, one, show up very quickly in the this series? And also, do you think he's going to get his ass kicked very quickly? No, I, there's only what, like eight episodes. Something so, like that? so there's only eight episodes in this show. I think what is going to happen is I think that he's going to show up in the seventh episode. He's going to return to the galaxy in the eighth episode and wreck shit. And I think that is setting up because the, the Filoni verse is what everyone's calling it. Like the Disney plus shows yeah. Uh, are, are ending with a movie, and that movie is called Star Wars Heir to the Empire. Mm -hmm. 
So I think that we are seeing this that Ahsoka is setting up Thrawn's return. I think Mando season four is going to be uh, the galaxy getting just their ass kicked by Thrawn. I think that's what it's going to be. And I think that, um, yeah, Heir to the Empire is going to be a movie that wraps everything up. And I think that it's going to set up the seeds of the First Order coming to power. And Hell yeah. I think this episode did a great job of like exploring that idea that how exploring how it's possible for a for something like the First Order to grow next to the New Republic. I still think yeah. it's it's Hopefully, maybe they'll make me more comfortable with it. But like for now, it still feels like, man, you guys really just let. It's like they're not the Nazis; they're just the neo-Nazis. It's fine. It's like no, no, it's not fine. <laughs> what do you think, Kevin? For me, I I loved it. I thought it was really good. I liked the lore um, coming to light. That's such a dumb way to put it, but I mean, really. Just seeing the map, going through Treasure Planet, uh, seeing everything. I had a blast seeing all that shit. Like, it was just so cool. Um, I really liked these quotes. Like, we have a lot of quotes written. We have a couple quotes written down. But we have a lot of quotes that we said during this because they were just so relevant to the scene that it wouldn't make any sense to not talk about. So, I just thought the conversation piece and the relationships that they had were just explored really well i love the whole like i'm ready the callbacks to each conversation the whole thing was great i'm fascinated with this other galaxy give me more that's as much as i don't want more because i know it's gonna happen i still want more so i'm like you know i want to see this um but yeah so speaking of quotes we do have a couple here just a couple not too many because we've pretty much said all of them yeah um but the the first one is Hera and sabine talking in the hospital and Hera assures her, and she's like, you know, you did good. And Sabine says, tell her, tell that to her, you know. And Hera says, I do, because she really does. She really, and we know she does. Yeah. And then she says, but she's not the one who needs to hear it right now. Yep. And she's like, you, kid, like, you did good. Ignore her. You did a really good job. And it's just that reassurance thing to, like, this whole episode is her coming to terms with, like, no, it's okay to fail. You yeah. did a really good Come job. Come to terms with your own failure. Like, yeah, but, like, your failures and mistakes are actually leading you to grow, and it's helping everybody because we're still here. We're still, you know, changing things. And also, Harris says, you're both difficult. I always thought that made it work, which I thought was really that, funny. That's too. fun. I like that a lot, yeah. yeah. Um, another one that we liked was uh, an empire doesn't just become a republic overnight, which, again... You gotta give me some more. You gotta give me some more uh, uh, evidence to support uh, uh, the, the New Republic just being fat and complacent. Um, I know it has real world implications, but I'm also like, man, yeah. But every time Germany sees a, a neo-Nazi rally start up, they fucking crush that shit. And I feel like that's what yeah. the Republic should absolutely be doing. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it feels like it's. I don't know. It feels like we're we're letting a lot. We're it, it's one of those things where it's like we have to let it happen so the movies can happen. And I'm like, so, but it's dumb. It's very <laughs> dumb. Welcome to America. I mean, the New Republic. Sorry yeah. about that. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and then another one we had was uh, Sabine saying, uh, talking about uh, her Jedi training. And she says, it doesn't matter. I never had the talents, the abilities, not like Ezra. <laughs> David Tedeschi is just like, that much is true. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, thanks. And he goes, I have known many Padawans throughout the centuries, and I can safely say your aptitude for the Force will fall, would fall short of them all. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like, wow, you're a fucking asshole. And yeah. she says, oh, I won't waste any more of your of, of her time. 
And he says the only time you are wasting is your own as he hands her her lightsaber. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, he, he, because she's like, I'm not going to waste Ahsoka's time. And he's like, no, 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 no. After all these things that I'm saying here, here's your lightsaber. Like, he still is like, nah, man, you're good, kid. Keep yeah. going. Don't give up. Yeah. He's saying, like, hey, like, you're, like, just because you don't have a good uh, aptitude for it doesn't mean, you know, like, hey, you're, they say with with time, you can be good at anything. And it's like, hey, yeah. you're just going to start from zero. Like, with enough time, anybody can become whatever they want. They just need to be able to put in the time. And that's the thing. Like, you're, you may not have the aptitude for it, whatever. Right now, you don't have the attitude for it. Because that's really the problem is it's your attitude. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, I wrote for quotes just all the cursing from Chopper because, the, I mean, let's be real. Oh, God, it was That's so good. That's quote out of everything. And then the last quote is when Ahsoka sees Sabine, and she says, nice haircut. And Sabine says, it's more me. And that was a – I I mean, that's a nice little teeny-weeny quote that – it's just – it's so good. It's relationship building. It's, 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 it's like great. those two little lines work so well. Well, so final thoughts, I would say we're in it to win it with this show. Uh, we have a couple episodes left over. Yep. Uh, we're already almost a third through. Um, we got six more. I will be gone for two episodes, mind you. Uh, Connor's going to be joining us here probably soonish. Yes. Uh, to our, ancient, our ancient Jedi Master Connor will be yes, descending. Yes, with the well, he has, a man, he has Mandalorian armor, so I guess he's the man our Mandalorian he friend does. Connor will be jetpacking he does, in. He does. Yeah, I'll be I'll be uh, gone for a little bit, a wee bit, because I'll be in Ireland. Yes. Uh, but you guys are going to continue to discuss this stuff. But yeah, it's it's I'm excited, man. Ireland's I'm, the one with I'm, the kangaroos, right? Oh God. Yeah, the kangaroos. Yep. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. I say I know geography. Yeah. And with that, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It of course really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Instagram and X at The Lost Cantina. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. And may the Force be with you. Quit touching my stuff, Kevin.